You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Uh, we're going to be opening the book of Romans today, starting a new series on Romans. So if you want to go ahead and turn over there in your Bible. Uh, great to be together. Uh, I am uh, missing my wife this week. She is in Colorado. And so I've got all three kids by myself. You know, so hard. You know, they're 22 and almost 20 and almost 17. It's not as hard these days. Yeah, they take care of me. Uh, but I remember, I remember years ago, just a quick story, I remember years ago having the kids all by myself and uh, thinking, okay, I'm going to do this great and mighty deed and take all three kids to Trader Joe's uh, by myself. And, uh, you know, I got my shopping. I'm, it's going pretty well. I'm keeping them all in check. I think there's probably two of them in the cart and one, like, trailing behind me. And um, they used to have these end caps of, of wine, you know, the two-buck chuck, and it would, it, they made, like, this huge pyramid of, of the wine. And uh, what? What? <laughs> you, guys, uh, you guys know the types of things that happen to me, I guess. I don't know. So... Anyway, I got all the kids, and I'm telling you, it must have been like the cart goes like this. And the, the whole pyramid just goes, and then just, and it was like, um, I counted at least 15 bottles that broke. It was, the whole thing went down, and it was like, it was like, yeah, it was like a tsunami of wine. I mean, it had to have been like that deep. My, my. My uh, shoes were covered in wine, you know, and I had little little shards of glass, you know, whatever. And uh, I would just, I just remember being like, I can't run from this. <laughs> you know, sometimes when, when you spill something at the store, you're like, okay, I'm just running in the bathroom and clean it up myself real quick before anybody notices. This was just like wine everywhere, the whole store. And I'm just kind of, and the Trader Joe's employees come running, I'm just kind of like, okay, what now? Like, <laughs> what do you have to do to me? How much does this cost, you know? But they were really nice, and they just wanted to make sure I was okay, and they didn't charge me anything. Uh, I, and, and, but the, here's the thing. Don't, don't let anybody tell you you can't make a difference in this world, because I've never seen the wine stack like that again in any Trader Joe's <laughs> ever since then. So I must be a legend in their, uh, in their corporate circles. But uh, anyway, turn over to uh, Romans 15. We're going to start with Romans at the end of Romans. And uh, the reason is, is uh, I just I've read several commentaries on Romans. I've been excited about doing, going through Romans together for a while, for actually over a year since I helped teach a class over a year ago uh, on Romans. And, but there's this book I read called Reading Romans Backwards, where a scholar is saying that so, so much, Romans is, is the book of the New Testament that has, the most has been written about. And uh, it, it really has influenced a lot of Christian thinking the most, because Paul goes so in-depth into salvation and grace and and so, you know, really deep theological concepts, how God works in the world, the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and, and uh, the big story of the Jews and the Gentiles and how it all fits together. There's some really big stuff uh, Paul gets to, and so much has been written about it, but it's, it so much ignores the context, he's arguing. And, and even for us, a lot of it, even if you're not a Bible scholar, you know, we read Romans, by the time you get to 15, 16, or even 14, 15, 16, kind of, you've already, you've, you've been reading Romans a while. You've been digging into so much great stuff for a while, and you kind of, it's kind of lost to you, who was this written to, and what was the context of it, and why was it written? 
And so we're going to start with the end of Romans and then kind of work our way back to the beginning and hopefully get more out of it. Let me take my tambourine off my foot before I walk around. <laughs> you know, the stuff that you do in the live stream is a little more weird when we're all together. Um, but, uh, you know, it starts with some travel plans that Paul had. And so that's the, the title of the lesson today is Travel Plans. And uh, Paul had this idea to visit Rome. And so if you look at Romans 15, we're going to be looking at Romans 15 and 16. We'll just uh, pick it up in the second half of Romans 15, verse 23. Uh, Paul says, Now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed, enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have shared in the blessings, uh, Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will bless you, come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Sorry. I urge you, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus, by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. You know, you, we might read that and you go, well, I don't even remember reading that, right? Because it's at the end of Romans. But this is why Paul wrote this letter, is because he was planning to go to Rome and he wanted their help with future missions to, uh, to Spain. So to give you an idea of the geography, I, in your song lyrics, there's a couple maps there you can look at. You can see Paul's missionary journey. But if I was going to kind of put it in this space, so... Paul is, uh, the Holy Land, we'll say, is, is back there, like back by my van, if you see my back van. The whole Holy Land would be just this little bitty patch over there, kind of by my, my van over there. So that's, and then Paul was from a little area uh, north of there, like maybe about where this table is, this orange table. And, uh, you know, that's where he, that was kind of the geography of, of, uh, of Paul and the Holy Land, okay? So then Paul goes on these missionary journeys across what's modern-day Turkey. So that would be kind of like this area here. He's planting churches along here. And then as he's planting these churches, he gets this vision from the man of Macedonia. Macedonia is the northern part of Greece. And so that's across a, a little bit of water. So that would be kind of like this area right here. So he goes over there from, from modern-day Turkey and then ends up planting churches all the way down to Corinth, which is kind of at the bottom of, of Greece, kind of where that, that rose bush is right there. Uh, and then Ephesus is over here. Maybe Ephesus is kind of like on this little thing. And, and there's a lot of back and forth in, in Acts between Ephesus and Corinth. Um, you know, uh, anyway, I won't go into what, you know, Apollos is back and forth and Aquila and Priscilla are back and forth. And, and sometimes they go all the way around. This is, if this is kind of like water, sometimes they go all the way around or sometimes they take a boat across. But Corinth and, and Ephesus, there's kind of travel back and forth. So that, when he is in Ephesus, I'm just going to read you a quick verse from Acts. This is what lines up with what we just read. Acts 19.21, while Paul's in Ephesus, he says, Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia, that's kind of over there, and Achaia, before going to Jerusalem. After that, he said, I must go to Rome. So Paul, the, the timing here in Acts, 
Acts 19, after he's planted all these churches, he goes, like we just read, he says, there's no more work for me here. Now, is there more work for him? Yes, it, there is more work. But he, he wants to go places where they don't know anything about Jesus yet, is his, his mindset. And so he's like, okay, we've been everywhere here. Now I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Rome. Uh, first, I've got to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to take this contribution with me from all these churches to help the church. Remember, Jerusalem's back over there by my van, right? So i got to go back over there. And then, you know, th this is Corinth. So Italy would be like like that white building over there. It's, it's, it's kind of farther. It's, it's quite a ways over. And so if you look at the second map, that's Italy. And then Spain would be like the next block over. So as far as it is from from uh, Corinth, Paul wrote Rome's, Romans in Corinth. So he gets back into Corinth, and then that's where he wrote it. He's there for about three months. Acts 23 would be the verse. He traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. So while he's in Corinth is where he, where he, when he writes Romans. And he goes, I'm going to go over there. You know, We're going get, to get to you guys in Rome. He's never been to Rome before, but he knows a lot of people there, as we're going to see. And then you're going to help me get all the way to Spain. Spain is like the very edge of the world for Paul. The very ends of the earth. It's the edge of the Roman Empire. You know, because from there it's just ocean, right? And they, they don't even know if there's anything beyond there. So Spain is the edge of the universe to Paul. That's where I want to go. So, so that's his travel plans. I've got it all. You, you get it from the language here. Here's my plan. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, pray that everything works out. And, uh, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem with this gift. And then I'm going to come see you guys in Rome. When he says, you're going to get my help to go to Spain, he's talking about contribution. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna help me you're gonna sponsor me i'm hoping to go on to spain so that's why he's writing this book hey, i want you to know more about me i want you to know more about my ministry i want to want to get your help in this big plan that i have to to reach the ends of the earth for the gospel sounds like great stuff what happens to paul's travel plans anybody know when he gets to jerusalem there towards the end of acts does it go well it doesn't go well it doesn't go well. In fact, all these people are trying to warn him, don't go, don't go, don't go. But he's like, I'm determined. This is my plan. I'm going to, uh, to, to Jerusalem. Then I'm going to go to Rome. Then I'm going to go to Spain. But when he gets to Jerusalem, it, it all kind of, the, the, the opposition collapses in on him. And uh, he, he's arrested. Then he's, he's put on trial. He's sent over to Caesarea Philippi, which is uh, the, the, the Roman seat of government there in the Holy Land. And he's on trial. There's a... There's a, a, a uh, plot to take his life when he's in transit so that's why he appeals to caesar that means i you know it's kind of like going to the supreme court i appeal to caesar and so I, you know he he, he he's now going to be in captivity for years he's in captivity now um so it doesn't work out the way he planned uh but you know does does life always work out the way we planned have you guys ever made travel plans that had to be canceled maybe in the last year uh, you know, the whole last year maybe was canceled for you. I mean, we had all kinds of plans as a church. We had all kinds of plans as a family. We were going to do a big conference last summer. There's all kinds of things that got, got canceled. And I, I mentioned that just to say that that's just how life is some, sometimes. But God still works through it. Like, we're, gonna, we're about to read who received uh, the book of Romans, and, and we're going to be learning over the next few weeks why they received it and what it meant to them. But God has used this book that Paul wrote for a very specific purpose in his mind. You know, in his mind, he's like, I, I got to get to you guys in Rome, and then I got to get to Spain, and so I'm writing this book. But man, God has used it for greater purposes. I mean, think about the book of Romans if you've been around a while, if you're a disciple. Uh, man, there's such great stuff in Romans. I mean, 
you know, the, the, the Romans 8, the, the, the idea that God is with us through hardship. And no, should any, can anything separate us from the love of God? Can, can trial or trouble or hardship or danger or persecution or nakedness or so? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The, the talking about the Holy Spirit and how he uh, allows us to call God our daddy. And, you know, this, uh, Romans 12 about our relationships with each other and what it means to worship and really give our life as a living sacrifice. Romans 6, what it means to... To, to be baptized and, 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 and how that gives us the ability to be born again and to start a new life and, and to conquer sin in our lives. There's just so much in Romans. It's so rich and so depth, has so much depth. But it all started because of these travel plans that Paul had that didn't work out. Uh, so God is bigger than all of the stuff that, that goes on and, and God, God is, is going to use us even if it's not maybe sometimes in the way that we wish he would. But as we, as we get into Romans 16 and we, we look at who this was written to, there's two things we're going to talk about. Uh, number one is family and number two is faith. Because even though plans change and, 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 and chaos might rule, like that last song we, we, we sang that, that Paulette did for us, uh, you know, that even in the chaos, God holds us together. And faith and family is what really matters. Even in times of trial, even in times of uncertainty, it's faith and it's family. It's the family of believers that really, really matter. So let's look at uh, Romans 16. Who was this letter written to and, and why does it matter? Because context does matter to language. I was driving with Cora yesterday. Uh, Cora's learning to drive and um, she's got her driving test on Tuesday. Um, so we were driving in Palos Verdes and I told her, you, we, gotta, we have to really watch out for PV bikers. Because uh, now you guys know what that means. If I say I gotta watch out for PV bikers, you know, okay, we're driving on PV Drive East, and and the the, the bikers are very. There's a lot of bikers there, and when I say bikers, I mean guys that are dressed up like superheroes, you know, with a very tight, stretchy pants and things on the. Uh, so that that's the image in your head, but but that's because you're from here. That's because culturally you know what I'm talking about. You know, in, in some other places, if I say we got to watch out for the bikers, you know, you would think, oh, that's these huge tattooed guys with Harleys, you know, whatever. Like maybe if I say watch, you know, I'm going to, over to Busy B down in San Pedro, but I got to watch out for the San Pedro bikers over there. That's maybe a different, you know, okay, maybe that's those bikers that are at that biker bar by uh, Point Furman, right? And, so it's all about, the words are the same, but the context makes them different. And so learning more about context helps you get so much more out of your Bible and so much more of what, what was Paul actually saying. So Romans 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in, in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need from you for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinatius, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity in the Lord has stood to the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. 
Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are, in the, who are also in the Lord. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who's worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me too. Greet Asynchronous. That guy has a trouble with time, I think. Uh, Phleglon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogus, Julian, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. So who are these people? Who is this church in Rome? So the church in Rome was probably about the same number of disciples as in the South Bay Church, and uh, maybe less. It was around at least five house churches, maybe six, maybe ten. We don't know for sure, but we know from archaeological evidence kind of where these house churches were. And they were in kind of the poorer side of Rome. Um, and uh, they were, the, the time that this was written, Nero was now the emperor. And uh, uh, he was building this circus, it's called, where he could perform. Nero did music and acting and, and kind of, I don't know if, you know, it's debate over whether he was any good or not or just liked, liked to perform and, you know, whatever. Uh, but it, it, it's uh, thought that uh, many of the, the Christians were kind of blue-collar people. Uh, a lot of them uh, maybe worked on some of these uh, projects that Nero had. Um, some of them were more well-off. Some of them were less well-off. But, uh, but the way that Rome, uh, the way that the church got there, just kind of what, what has happened before here, we don't know who started Rome. We know that it started with the synagogues there, and it started with Jews there. And it's probable that uh, this, this, where it says, it talks about this couple, uh, Junia... Andronicus and Junia in verse 7, the, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. So a lot of people think they are the kind of the first ones that started the church. They are the Jews that were there in Rome in, as part of the synagogue that started it. And uh, especially because he says they were in Christ longer than they're outstanding among the apostles. If you look at your footnote, it says, or esteemed by. So, so is this saying that these guys are apostles or is it saying they're outstanding among the apostles like the apostles like them right or they're esteemed by we don't really know and, and that's a rabbit hole you can go down if you want to um, what happened even in history is when this was translated from greek into other languages they changed the name junia and made it a guy's name because they were like well can't have a woman be an apostle so we changed the name and then she got her name back just in the 20th century <laughs> she got junia forgot junia got her name back but this is a couple uh, of jews that uh so all the, what happened then is so there's some Jewish believers, uh, Jewish disciples in Rome who get kicked out by Claudius. You guys have heard about that before. Who else got kicked out we know of? Priscilla and Aquila, right? That's how Paul gets to know them in Corinth. Remember the rosebush here? When he gets there, he, Priscilla and Aquila are already disciples, but they, they, so Paul meets up with them. They've been kicked out of Rome because Claudius kicked all the, the emperor Claudius, the emperor before Nero, kicked all the Jews out. We don't like these guys. We're going to get rid of them kicked them all out. So these people had to uproot their lives, up, uh, lose their everything, so they move out. Now, as the Jew, Jews have gotten moved out and they come to Corinth or wherever they are, that's probably where Paul met these other guys as well. Um, now there's Gentiles, though, who've become Christians in Rome. And so now, the, now they're the ones that have to kind of run the church. And we've seen that in our own churches where, like, Americans go and we, we plant a church in, in, you know, in the Middle East somewhere and, the, and, then, and then the government kicks all the 
Americans out. And so then now the, the people who have become Christians, now that suddenly, oh, congratulations, you're the church leader now. <laughs> you know, that's happened in our, in our fellowship. So that's the kind of thing that happened in Rome. So then they're running things. They're running the church. And the church didn't meet all together. They couldn't meet all together back then. So it was in all of these homes, but they were all really connected. Uh, so now, but then later, the Jews are able to go back. So we read here, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, who we know, they are now in Rome. And so all these Jews have gone back. So a lot of scholars think what's happened there now is, okay, so now the Jews come back and all these people come back, but now the church is different than they left it. And, and they're doing stuff that they don't really approve of. And, and, and so there's these kind of different groups in the Roman church that have some different convictions about some important things. They're matters of conscience, even, as we're going to see in Romans 14, we'll get to next week. But, but they're threatening to divide the fellowship. They're threatening to divide the church because the church is now, the culture is now changed of the church. And then the, what happened to the church that I was a part of before? And, you know, so there's, there's this, this kind of stuff going on there amongst the, the, the Jews and the Gentiles. And it's not just Jew, Gentile. It's kind of how you think about certain things. And, and we'll get into some of what those things were next week. So that's kind of the context there. And so Paul write, knows about all this because he has a lot of friends there. Even though he's never been to Rome, he knows a lot. He has a lot of friends, and he heard heard what what is happening there. So he let's go through a few of these names. We we don't have time to go through all of them, but just to give you a little bit more background. So first of all, Phoebe, he sends this uh, letter with Phoebe, it's verse one of chapter sixteen. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. So Phoebe is going to be the voice of Romans to the Roman church. When, when, he, when he's saying, I'm commending her to you, it's because she's the one that's carrying the letter. And it's most likely that it's not like she read it to all of the church together because they couldn't meet all together. She would go to each of these house churches. So maybe she goes to five or ten different house churches and she's reading this letter from Paul. And, you know, if you read Romans, it, it takes a few hours to read through. I mean, it might have been four hours, right, that she's reading. And most likely she... Per- performed it she kind of modeled it she she practiced she, she she you know even working with Paul before he she went you know to really convey his heart to them so she was the she's the voice of Romans I never even thought of that I never heard that before isn't that kind of cool to think about the, the Romans was originally delivered by the voice of Phoebe that that's that who, before anybody ever heard this book it was that it was these disciples hearing it from Phoebe this uh, sister who's from Centria. Now, Centria is, so remember I said Corinth is there, the rosebush? So Centria is just this little port city. It's connected to Corinth. So she was connected to the work in Corinth, which is where Paul was when he wrote this, right? So he's sending her to Rome. It's not an easy journey to Rome that she had to go, you know, she, to get there, but she's going all the way to Rome on this, you know, on a ship or whatever, probably a half a year journey to get there with Paul's letter to deliver it to them. Now, it says she's our sister, you know, that's something that's so important in Romans is the idea of family. That we have these different identity markers. We have Jew or Gentile or haves or have-nots or people in a different strata of society. Roman society was all about status. It was all about, you know, uh, position of power. It, it, even more so probably than our culture. Just it's all about status. It's all about how you fit in, in the strata of society. And Paul is overturning that in his teaching and his writing and saying it doesn't matter. Status doesn't matter. We're all the same in Christ Jesus. We're all brothers. We're sisters. Phoebe is a sister to you. Uh, He calls her a deacon. Now, the word there, there's no, uh, 
it's not capitalized, or maybe it is capitalized in your translation. There's no capitalization in the Greek. So deacon just means servant, but there is a position, like there's an office of deacon within the church, and that's talked about in other scriptures, what it means to be a servant, quote-unquote servant in the church, a deacon in the church. And, and so that, that's another rabbit hole you can go down if you want. Was Phoebe a deacon in office, or was she just a servant of the Lord? Uh, I think she was a deacon because he says a deacon of the church in Centria. So using that kind of language, a deacon of this specific church, sounds like she held that office, uh, the, you know, the office of deacon. But, you know, that's for another time. That's a rabbit hole we can go down. But so she, she whatever the case is, she's very significant in the church. And she is, uh, so she, she has been a benefactor to many people, including me. There's another word. We don't use benefactor probably very often, but it has a really specific meaning in this culture and in this book. Saying she's a benefactor means she is a well-to-do person. She's a a financially successful woman. She has a lot, and she's using her wealth to benefit other people. She's a sponsor, right? She's she's somebody who is, is sponsoring many people. So she's using her wealth to give to the church and to give to others. Paul says, including me. So she is like like she is funding Paul's ministry work. Uh, she is sponsoring Paul's ministry work. And he sent, you know, may, maybe she had been doing that for a while. And so maybe that's part of why they had this relationship where she gets to go and deliver this message to Rome. But anyway, that's really cool to think about. This is a real person, right, that, that delivered this message. Priscilla and Aquila, we know them, verse 3 from the book of Acts, you know. But here's an interesting fact is that uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they're mentioned six times in the Bible. Four of the six times, her name is mentioned first. That's very unusual in the first century. And so scholars think this is probably because she was a really prominent woman uh, in the community. She, she came from kind of a well-to-do family. There's reason to believe that Aquila was a freed slave, that he was a, a Jew who was a freed slave. And, and her family is her na- family name is, is, is really well-known. So I, I, I had a professor of, in the book of Acts. She, she has this theory. She thinks that he was maybe even a slave in her household. And then they fell in love. And I was like, hey, you should write a movie. That's a good one, you know? Uh, so anyway, that, that's Priscilla and Aquila. She was a very uh, prominent teacher. You know, she, her, the way that she's mentioned in the Bible, she, she was a pretty powerful woman. But they, they're a great couple, a power couple in the Lord. And, uh, you know, I won't go through all of these. But one, one other quick one is, is Rufus is a cool one in verse 13. Rufus is a cool name. I, so anybody having kids? Go for it, man. Name your boy Rufus. I think it's a pretty cool name. Come on. Uh, but, uh, but Rufus, so, so anybody know where Rufus is in the Bible Other, otherwise? Lynn. Close. It's, it's his son. So Simon, in, uh, in the book of Mark, had two, other, had two kids. One of them was named Rufus. So a lot of times when you, you know, the Gospels are written much later, so a lot of times when they're mentioning a specific name, it's probably because that person is now in the church, you know, decades later. And so it could be that this Rufus is the boy whose dad carried the cross of Jesus. And, uh, you know, especially because he says he was chosen in the Lord. Like there's something special about Rufus, you know, something really special about him and, uh, and his mother. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that's kind of cool to think about, but maybe that's Rufus. But this is a family. Guys, this is, this is a family of believers that is just like you and I, just like our family. You know, we have a very diverse family. We have people that you know, are of different persuasion politically. We have t- people that are of different skin color. We have people who are different shapes and sizes. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
take that however you will. But you know, just maybe want to change their shape and size a little. I don't know, but uh, we have people from different backgrounds who grew up in different parts of the country. You know, we have people who grew up here in LA and they're just LA born and bred. We have people who are transplanted from other places. I kind of, I was born in Florida. If you don't know, that's kind of, a lot of people don't know that, but I really identify as a Coloradan, even though I've been in California way more than I was ever in Colorado. I was in Colorado from age seven to age 19 or something. But you know, that those are pretty key ages, right? That form, you know, our identity and stuff. So I still think of myself as being from Colorado, even though I've been here 28, 29 years. Uh, but you know, we have people from all over, right? But we're all one family in Christ Jesus. And we value and appreciate each other. And uh, you know, that's why he says in verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, so that's what we're gonna do today is, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, uh, you know, this is one of those verses we do not obey in the church, do we? We don't uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. And, yes, it was a cultural thing then, you know, and even today in the Middle East, people greet each other with the, the peck on each cheek or whatever. You know, that's kind of what I envision. But I think there's more to it than that, right? There, there's more to Paul. Paul is saying your family, affirm that to each other. Reaffirm to each other that you are family. You know, uh, Steve, my brother, I, I love Steve. We've been together over 10 years. I have never given Steve a kiss. And Steve has never given me a kiss. Uh, I don't really, here, here's where I'm going to be honest. I don't really want Steve to give me a kiss. You know, Ben is a, a great friend of mine. I, I can't picture giving Ben a kiss, and I don't think he would like it too much. You know, we are playing volleyball at the Y sometime, and I just give him a kiss. That was a great spike. Uh, you know, but, but there's something about, you know, there's something about that level of intimacy, though, that I think we should take into account is, do we value each other in that way? On, like, boy. do we have that level of, of respect for one another and that level of just appreciation for one another? Even people who are different than us, right? Even people who maybe their background is different or, 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 or the way that they view all, all these things that we, we have views about this last year. Like, there's things that people feel so dug in on and certain views, but... It doesn't matter. We're family first. Amen. And I, I want to greet you with a holy kiss. You're my brother. You're my sister. You know, that, that's the way we should feel about each other. That's the way God feels about you. Amen? On, you know, I think that's, I feel like as I was praying about this, I was like, what do you want the church to know, God? And um, I feel like the Holy Spirit told, told me, um, on, Brian. just to say, you, you are so special. You're so important to God. And, and we, we let these things divide us or let these things get us all riled up. And those things don't matter to God. Like, what God matters is, is you. Like, the church in Rome was this, this these nobodies. You know, the, the, Rome was the most powerful city in the world, the most powerful empire on earth ever before or ever since. You know, that's where the, the emperor was and all these powerful people who had all the, all the authority and all the power in the world. And yet we don't even know any of their names, right? Maybe, a, maybe, a, maybe you've heard of Claudius, maybe you've heard of Nero, you know, maybe a Caesar or two. But, but here we, we have all these names, you know, 2,000 years later of these nobodies. That's how God feels about you. Come on, Brian. Your names are written. <clears throat> I don't know why it's making me emotional. I think it's been a rough year, right? Yeah. Um, Come on, Brian. 
and we haven't been together. And so I think Satan has used that time of not being together, right? Satan has used that time to try to cause divisions. And uh, we've, we've got to value each other. I, I, I really want to encourage you, whether you're here live next week or whether you're on the live stream, to go, I want the people in my life to feel like I'm giving them a holy kiss. You know, I, I want, I, how can I make this person feel like I'm just giving them a kiss in the Lord, a holy kiss in the Lord? That you are, that's what holy means, is you're set apart. You're chosen for a special purpose. You're not ordinary. Holy means it's not ordinary. But you're chosen by God for something special. Um, look at verse 17. <clears throat> I've got to move on from that thought. <laughs> mm. uh, verse 17, i got to preach a little bit here. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them. You know, Paul says, keep away from what causes division. And I want to challenge you in the Lord, keep away from what causes division. There's stuff that we get into that causes division in the church that we ruminate on or, or, or go down those rabbit holes as I'm talking about. And I'm just, I think Paul would say, keep away from that stuff. You know, it's okay to have opinions. It's okay to, to learn about things and all that. But here's the thing you got to know. You don't get likes and views and subscribes by just being positive, right? I mean, there's some, some cases, but there's a lot of people build their, their following on division. They build their followership on trying to cause controversy and trying to stir up trouble and, and we as even as disciples can get caught up in some of this stuff. And I think Paul would say, just keep away from it. Think about that question for a minute. What causes division? Should I keep away from it? I, there's a sister in our Bible talk who I highly respect. And uh, she's very opinionated. And sometimes we've, you know, had differences of opinion on stuff. But we've had a great, great conversation about it. But I appreciate at some point she made the decision. She's like, I just need to get off Facebook. I'm going to get off Facebook for a while. And it's made a difference. She's like, I'm happier. I just, I just had to get off Facebook, you know, for a while. And I'm not saying everybody has to do that. I'm just saying, in your own life, you got to say, i got to keep away from what causes division between my brothers and sisters. They're family first. Before any of these other markers, identity markers, they are my family. And I, and I don't want to let anything divide us. And I, lo- I love this verse. I feel like reading this, I've never seen this verse in my life. I'm sure I have. But... At the end of verse 19, he says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. What that means to me is like, I want to be an expert in good stuff, right? I don't want to, there's a lot of things you could be an expert in, but I want to be an expert in the Bible and Jesus and the spirit and, you know, these other things that, that I can get into. I'm just, I, I'm innocent of that. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I know that people that say that. I know people that say that. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I want to learn enough about that to make a difference in the Lord, but I want to be an expert in things that unite us. I want to be an expert in the Bible. I want to be an expert in the kingdom. I want to be an expert in Jesus. And I want to be wise in those things that really, really matter. Christ is what holds us together. Christ is what brings us together. Uh, I heard a story this last, su- uh, last Sunday, um, George Matthew, who's an awesome brother, 
Uh, we're super lucky to have the Matthews in our region. If you don't know them yet, uh, they did our leaders meeting. And uh, the Matthews, went. they were sent by, by our churches in the 90s to go plant churches. And they planted churches in India. Um, sometime I'll have to have you, th- them, you tell us, them tell the story of how they even came together. They were an arranged marriage in the Lord. but Because uh, that's a thing in India, you know. And uh, it's so interesting to hear him talk about all of that. But, but so they, they were from different places. She was from here. George is from Chicago. But they went and planted all these churches in India and Pakistan. But he was telling the story uh, at, at our Bible Talk leaders meeting last Sunday. And he said, you know, I had nothing in common. We went to this one place to try to build this church. I had nothing in common with this one other brother. We could barely speak the language. He, like, he did a lesson and the brother was supposed to translate. And somebody else who knew the language was like, you had a great lesson but so did that other brother. <laughs> and it was a different one than yours because the guy could hardly speak any English. But, he, but, but George said what bonded us together was uh, we would just read the Bible. And I would read, because Pakistan, Pakistan, George knew Indian, but they were, this is in Pakistan. He said we would just read, get together and read the Bible. I would read it in my language. He would read it in his language. And we just read the same passage. And, and that's what built our relationship. And then all these years later, this brother is still over there you know, leading churches, planted different churches in Pakistan and everything. And, and, you know, it was just a cool story. Like, yeah, that's what bonds us together. It's the word of God. If I have nothing in common with you except the word, that's enough. If I have nothing in common with you except we can just get together and read the Bible, we can barely even speak the same language. That's enough to build the church. Amen? Amen. We got to kind of wrap this up. I'm going to have to skip some of my face stuff for next week. But in, in, uh, in Romans 16, I know you guys are sitting in the sun. Uh, I want to just read this, this thing about, he says about uh, Satan. 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Boy, that's a line, that's a line to memorize and share with somebody else in the church who's going through a hard time. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And keep in mind, Paul didn't know what was about to happen to him. He didn't know what the road ahead would, would hold. But, man, God is still going to win in the end. And what's really cool about how the story ends is that uh, Paul ends up getting to see them in Rome. Not the way he planned. But he ends up getting to see them in Rome. He, he, you know, as he goes to Jerusalem over there, again, my van. And then, you know, he appeals to Caesar. So he has this long journey to Rome and there's shipwrecks and all kinds of stuff. But the, the way that... Uh, Luke chose to end the book of Acts is so cool. Paul is in Rome and he's reached Rome. Remember, Rome is over there, kind of the next yard over. And he's in a rented house and it says he's able to preach the word unhindered to all that came to him. So he's just there in this, in this rented house and, and he's part of the church now in Rome and he's leading Bible studies and he's, you know, his dream came true. He got to be with them. He never got to go to Spain, but he got to end in Rome and be there with them and most likely even lost his life there in Rome. Uh, we don't know all the timing of all of it, but I love how, how the Holy Spirit ends with Paul in Rome, preaching the word unhindered. And I want you to have that confidence and that faith. God will soon crush Satan under your feet. And everything we do is from faith, and it's for faith. He says uh, that here at the, at, at the close, he has this awesome prayer, verse 25, Now to him who's able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I preached about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known 
through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this prayer because he's about to say, if you look at now to him who's able to establish you and then verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forever. That's what he's trying to say is let God have all glory. But then he kind of gets caught up in what God is doing and how amazing God is. And the faith that we're a part of is incredible. And, and he says, this is what God's doing. All these Gentiles are now becoming Christians. And, and, and he talks about this obedience that comes from faith or in verse, verse uh, 26, or, or sorry, verse, yeah, you might have a little footnote that says, or is, or is faith. Obedience that is faith. Our faith is what affects every part of our life. It's why we live the way we live. It's why we make the choices that we make. It's why we have the friends that we have. It's why we're, why we're doing everything we're doing. It's all because of our faith. And we can't let Satan lose that. Even in times of trial or difficulty or distractions or all the stuff that we've been through this last year or even that we will face in the year ahead, remember that faith that you're a part of. Remember what really, really matters in its family and its faith. Amen. Let's pray for our communion together. God, I just want to pray to you, as Paul said, the God of creation, the God of all glory, the God that brings us together, the God that established this faith in Jesus Christ and, and brought the Jews and Gentiles together in this new way. Uh, God, you are so amazing, and we are so thankful, God, that we can be a part of your kingdom, of your church, of your body. Uh, God, your word is not chained. And I love how the book of Acts ends, that Paul is preaching the word in Rome unfettered. I love that word. And God, there's no limits to your love. And uh, we, we know that the ultimate, ultimate expression of your love is found in Jesus. And I pray we can just take this time right now to reflect on him, to remember him, to picture him with the kids, to picture him with his followers, to picture him... Uh, preaching the word, driving out the money changers in the temple, just who he was, God. We all want to be him. We want to follow him anywhere. That's the reason we do what we do is our faith in Jesus. And God, we know that he rose from the dead and he's reigning now in heaven and that his way will win, that Satan will be crushed. And uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you at this time for Jesus' body and blood given for us. And uh, we pray that you bless our time of reflection on that. At the cross, I bow my knee where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. You have overcome the grave. Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now? Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 